0: Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about how do you make sure the client knows what they're getting with the help of special guest Chris Landis of Landis Architects Builders in Washington, D.C. Alongside Tim Fowler, I am your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show.
1: Hey everyone out there, Tim Fowler here and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. As I always say, please send me ideas, questions, comments, guests, maybe even volunteer yourself if you've got something cool going on, particularly as it relates to production that we can get on the show. We'd love to have you. And uh, just let me know at Tim at RemodelersAdvantage.com. So today's episode is the result of a listener sending me an email. And he wanted us to start the conversation about, you know, how do you know, how do you get the client to really understand what they're getting? Okay. And he specifically mentioned the plans and the scope. And so I reached out to our Remodelers Advantage universe and uh, I got, I got some, inf- some responses back, people that said, hey, what about this? What about that? And I, I got to thinking that this is such an important topic that we might do two or three. And so today's episode is based on that. And so like a lot of things that are on this uh, podcast there probably isn't the silver bullet. In other words, there probably isn't just the, okay, if you do this one thing, you know, it will change your universe. And so that's one of the reasons why I want to have a couple of different guests on to get a couple of different perspectives and to look at things from maybe from a business owner sales perspective. And then also a little bit from uh, one of the people that responded was a production manager. And so they may have a little bit different perspective on this whole thing. And so uh, we're going to jump right into it and uh, see what our guest has to say and enjoy a great episode. Steve, let's get going.
0: All right. So Chris Landis is an architect licensed in Washington, D.C., Virginia, Maryland, and New York, and is a member of the American Institute of Architects. After graduating with an M.A. in architecture from Columbia University, he worked with Fortune 500 companies. He served two terms on D.C.'s Historic Preservation Review Board and is a past president of the D.C. chapter of the National Association of the Remodeling Industry. Welcome to the show, Chris.
1: Thank you. Hey, um, so Chris, just give us a little bit more information about Landis Architect Builders and, uh, you know, what's the size of the company? What kind of work do you do? Do you have in-house staff or do you have all subcontractors? What's the makeup of the company?
2: Um, we're we're about seventy people uh, right now. We're design build obviously, and uh, our goals are somewhere between sixteen and nineteen million this year, probably
1: more like seventeen realistically. Um, Andy, are you doing most of your work in house? I mean, like the carpentry and and things like that, or do you use mostly subs?
2: We're we're a little different. We actually have an electrical department. We have a master electrician. We have a plumber. So we have s- Six people in electric electrical department, and we have three in plumbing, wow. and uh, and we're looking at a mechanical department if we can find the right person. And we we self
1: perform about sixty percent of the work, but we do use a fair amount of subs too. So and. Yeah, I guess- and- I guess you pretty much have to if you're doing 17 million dollars worth of work, you need need a pretty big Oh, absolutely. And we need we need more more subs too. So of course, of course. So anybody out there listening, and I shouldn't say that, should I? Right. Okay. So they need a few more people if anyone uh, cares about that. So the listener wrote in and said, like basically, how do I get my clients to understand the plans and the scope? And so, how do you respond, just in general, to that question?
2: Well, you know, at first it was just a really—it's something that we address every day. But it was—it was—it was was nice to hear it in that form of a question. It was so simple and straightforward. And I think, you know, thinking back, I mean, just even being choosing the design-build model for a company—that goes to that question because that is where you control you know, the sale, the design and the construction of it. So you're managing client expectations all the way through. And hopefully you, you know, that's what you're really addressing is client satisfaction at the end of the day. And you have control of the whole process versus the architect contractor model, which, you know, the architect has control of their part, but the contractor has control of their part,
1: but there's always some drop off in between. So one of the things that I've seen and especially in companies that have shifted to design build, there's an assumption that, okay, now everything's under control because we own the whole process. And then what I actually see is things aren't under control because the assumption is, is there that it's automatic. And so how do you actually control that design build process? For example, Uh, that the assumption isn't made like by a designer that says, well, all of our staff is in-house, so I shouldn't have to make the plans as clear as I would have to if they weren't in-house. In other words, they can always call me if they have a question. How do you get kind of around that with your staff? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's all about process and clearly you
2: can't have a larger organization and you can't scale if you don't have processes in place, and and those processes all need to be built around clear transference of information from sales to design to design to construction, and we have a whole set of processes. Obviously, we baked in, but then obviously you're changing employees, you're growing, um, it's constant onboarding and trans and and basically training of people and personnel as to what your processes are. And, and it's all about client satisfaction at the end of the day. And of course, at the end of the day, you're you're surveying your clients and finding out how well (laughs) did you really manage their expectations? You know, that's the true test.
1: Yeah. So it's process. So let's just, let's just kind of dig in. And again, we're looking at like, how do you know they know how do the, how do you really, what process do you use? To get as close as you can to the client, really knowing what they're getting through the plans and the scope. So what's the first step in your process that contributes to them getting a really good understanding of that?
2: Well, I mean, it, it's interesting because, you know, how do you ever really know whether a client really understands what they're seeing? And, you know, the sort of the expression, it's Greek to me. How many right. clients have looked at plans and nodded their head and smiled and, acted like they knew what was going on and they really didn't have any clue. And there are people that just can't read plants. They've never read them before. And we all make these assumptions. So it really starts in sales when you're visiting them and you're walking around their house and they're telling you what their needs are. And you're putting together a scope of work. You need to be as specific as you can about what they told you and what they want. So that later on, when either they want to add a scope of work or they say, well, I didn't you know, I didn't want that. You say, no, you asked for that powder room or you asked for this room to be a certain size. So if you can, if you're going to do an addition, if you can be as specific about size as you can, because normally things will grow and there'll be mission creep, you want to start off with what, what were your first assumptions? Because obviously as, as you get into things and you show them options, things are going to morph and things are going to grow and the scope creep is going to happen. But you want to know where you started from because then they're going to ask you, well, why does it cost so much more? And you can go back and say, no, we added this feature. You asked for this. The addition grew by 100 square feet. We added, you know, five windows, whatever, you know. So that's really what it is about is documenting every step of the way and then reminding people of what they told you and, and what
1: they had agreed upon. Okay. So what is the documentation that you do during that sales discussion that will help doc, I mean, what, what do you create that helps document that? So you have something to go back to. So we, we, we
2: visit the the client and we walk around their house and we listen to their full scope of work. Some people um, are more organized than others. Uh, some people <laughs> have a written scope of work that they hand you. Obviously that indicates that they're probably seeing a few people and they're handing the same document to everyone. Uh, but some people are free-forming it. And so you're, you're photographing their house and you're listening, and then you're putting together a document, which we call a design proposal, which reiterates exactly what they said. And then ideally they sign that and that becomes your initial con- design contract, but it's got a clear scope of work in there. It even ideally, well, for us, you've ideally talked about budget, um, but clearly we're giving them what their budget needs to be and it's it's within a range and then they have to say that's fine or they can say look this low end is my last dollar or they can say i'm comfortable in the middle or 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 they can n- not say anything and just you assume that it's they're comfortable with that range but you do talk about financing and all those things so you really you need to be on top of the the money piece too because there's a lot of that that's where most people have the most upset down the road
1: <laughs> yeah cuz uh yeah cuz what the joke i always tell is that really the sales process is just this wonderful conversation with nothing nothing bad except it always costs more than they think it's going to and that's the right. one little because you're dreaming you're having fun you're visualizing all these uh all these things. how do you get down to um getting it out of their head? Because I think one of the places where we end up with this, we didn't understand what we were getting is they have a vision in their head uh, and they're trying to tell you what that is. But obviously the communication isn't perfect. And so you're understanding something based on your experience. So how do you get that communication to be a little more clear so that you are literally putting in that design agreement, what's in their head, what they're imagining so that it's not just a guess on your part.
2: Right. Well, I mean, really we're reiterating what they told us. So in terms of the size of the room, maybe the orientation, maybe the number of windows, maybe the fact that they want acoustical privacy, maybe the fact that they have water issues, maybe the fact that they're present systems don't work that well, and that end of the house is cold, or it's an old house and the walls are uninsulated. So we're going to be opening it up and re-insulating the windows. Maybe we're going to be changing the windows. Maybe the siding's going to get changed. So all that that we've discussed and noticed, and if we notice rot or things like that, we're going to be as specific about that as we can. Um, And then clearly once we started in design with the new tools that we have, the 3D modeling and all that stuff, really, they can see everything visually. And, you know, that's the big difference from, let's say, 10 years ago, where there was all 2D. Now it's 3D and it's in color. So really, the, the not being able to visualize is no longer an excuse because it's really literal in terms of what we're showing them.
1: Yeah, so I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. And one of the things you're saying to us is get 3D regardless, because I'm assuming not everybody uses that still.
2: I mean, You're, you it, might it, be right about that. I mean, certainly, I'm old school. When I went to school, it was you know, mayline and a T-square and a right. and a triangle. And I I actually have people on staff who do all the three three D at this point. I'm sort of talk architecture, but um, <laughs> but no, we walk them through the space. We we discuss all the features, you know, lighting, reflected ceiling plans, um, placement of windows, you know the the windows, the cladding, the color of the screens, the color of the hardware. So that's the level of specificity that you have to get to. And then you have to bake that into your construction contract. And we upload all those finishes and cut sheets and details into either a builder trend or a co-construct or something like that. So it's in the cloud. They've clicked on it and approved it. Obviously, they've seen it in the office with samples and felt the looked at the tile and looked at the color and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's all approved and checked off in the cloud. So they can be on vacation in Europe and they can know they can check in on their choices four or five months later. And then also the carpenter or the tile setter can be on the job sitting there opening a box of tile and he can look in Build-A-Trend and open up the tile and he can know that it's that size and it's that color and that manufacturer. So he's not putting a wrong tile on the wall because how many times has that had happened?
1: Yeah, so when you talk about 3D, I'm just going to, again, go out on a little bit of a limb here. Are you are you talking mostly like they're looking at a computer screen, or are you actually putting those goggles on them, and they're able to look around the room and see what it's going to be? I, I'm, I've seen but, those at trade shows. Both, I, both
2: of those, because obviously, obviously – the Google Goggles is a little cardboard box. You get it, you get the model on your iPhone or your phone, and you slip it into the cardboard box, and you can see it in 3D. And you can s- stand in your kitchen and visualize what it's going to look like on a bigger screen. It it's it's just looks like a, a 3D picture that, you, but you can move around. Um, even even those 360 photos that you we've all clicked on and moved around inside of a room, it's not 3D to per se, but it's, it's, it looks three-dimensional and you can move around it and you can do that inside and outside. So you're looking at the massing of the house from the back or the front or whatever. So yes. And roof lines and materials and colors and all that stuff.
1: Yes. Right there. Oh, that's so, that is so cool. So I'm assuming there are plans, uh, you know, drawn, you know, paper plans as well as posted in the cloud, I'm assuming, but how do you, kind of get them to, you mentioned earlier that they don't read plans and I've noticed that from years ago. How do you get them to be familiar or understand what's on those plans? What do those plans mean to your production team? How do you get your clients to understand it?
2: Yeah. And that's part of every meeting. So really in, in, in design and architecture and, and every, every firm has a really a three-stage process. You're doing schematic design, they're signing off at the end. They like the floor plan. They like the circulation. They like the adjacencies. They like the you know, the kitchens, the baths, they're laid out. Um, how many cabinets they have, the amount of storage they have, the amount of countertop square footage they have, the placement of the appliances, all that's locked. And they sign off on that. So once they sign off on that, they can't go back unless they want to and pay more money. Right. So the whole step is to lock people in gradually so they can't go backwards because invariably there's that client who thinks they can get to the end of the process and then change everything. And it's going to turn your life into a nightmare. And then, so you've got the second stage is DD, which is design development. So you're picking all the finishes. They're signing off on all those finishes. Okay. No changes, right? We take, we start with allowances, but then we convert those finishes all into hard prices. And then we sign off on a finished contract. So we've got finished price. we got a finished set of drawings. We're walking them through the electrical plan. Here's the switch. It's a three-way. We got floods. We got we got Wi-Fi points. We got under-cabinet lighting. We got in-cabinet lighting. We're going to go over all that in great detail. We're going to show them the light fixtures. You know, is it a light allure? Is it of a white baffle? Et cetera, et cetera. Because invariably, if you don't do that, they're going to say, well, that's not what I thought I was getting. And that's- I was just you know, going
1: to ask that question. Like, what- then, all right, you've gone through all this process. What do you say or what does your project manager say when the client says, I didn't know it was going to look like that? Right. Well, and you know, some of the tricks of the trade
2: are, so a lot of times, even with 3D models and floor plans, you don't, you don't get the spatial um, scale of the thing. So right. we'll say, get some painter's blue tape. And if we have to, we'll stake out the backyard, show them how big the addition's going to be so they can be out there and look at the stakes and sit, you know, go to the corners of the yard and look at it and see what, you know, what, what's going to be obscured and what's not. We can do like an island or counter. We can take blue tape and put it on the floor and they can walk around their kitchen and know that the aisles are wide enough. And you Know because sometimes a lot of times you're dealing with minimums and are people gonna be comfortable with that? And then how do they use a kitchen? Is it two people? Do you have to get by each other? Do you what happens when the refrigerator doors are open or the dishwasher doors down? It blocks blocks the aisle.
1: So you gotta you gotta have that discussion. You gotta talk about it. So do you do you do anything what made me think about this is when you were you're talking about staking out the backyard where the addition was gonna go. Do you ever do things like, I just want you to understand you're not getting this? In other words, is part of this conversation what you're not getting as well? Well, that's, yeah, absolutely. Certainly in
2: the design realm, that's true. And sometimes we do feasibility. So with a feasibility study, we tell them exactly what they're not getting, because a lot of times they think they're going to get more than they are. Um, And then it rolls into full design. But even with full design, we tell them, okay, you know, we're not we have to still hire an, an engineer. Maybe we have to hire a surveyor to survey their lot. Maybe we have to hire a, a soils person because their foundation is, is you know, going into the ground. Nowadays, when you add a story in our area, you have to, you know, dig a test pit and you have to go down and find their footings. And are they the right footings? And are, is the soil bearing capacity correct? And all this adds money to the client, but we have to tell them about it. And that's going to happen. It's going to, it's built into the process.
1: Man, this is so cool. I love this conversation. There's so many really, really uh, good things. But again, in our conversations before uh, the show, one of the things that you emphasized to me was, you know, sometimes Tim, it's just a matter of being patient. And I just want you to comment on that. So everybody gets to hear. Uh, some of that, because I I do still think there's those times where we really do everything and we we thought we covered every little thing and the client's bringing this up and you go like, where in the world did that come from? You know, I right. have no idea. And and so may just comment a little bit about what you were saying to me about, you know, just be patient.
2: Well, yeah, it is. It is patience. And it's it's more than patience. It's it's going back to basics because you always assume the client knows what you know and you but you can't assume that and everybody in your organization shouldn't sue that so even if if a if a carpenter on the job you know lays out the plan and is laying out the cabinet design they should get the customer in there and say is this your understanding of what what was talked about in design is this the layout that you anticipated just check on everything even like when you're putting a knob on a cabinet this is where the knob is going to go. It shows in the drawing, but you know, sometimes you you know, is it a one one hole knob or a two hole knob? Sometimes that has not been specified because the client decided to choose a knob at the last moment. You know, right. you've been there, and once you put a hole in a door, you're <laughs> buying a new door if it's not in the right place. So right. every member of your organization needs to walk the client through and get specificity, and then get. Get a get an agreement, ideally in writing, but have that complete understanding. So they can't come back and Monday morning quarterback and say, no, that's not what I had in mind. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And the thing is, even
2: even with my designers, I'm like, no, we need the We need the color of the roof tile. We need the we need the color of the exterior trim. We need all this detail because later you've got a carpenter standing on the job with his tool belt and he's saying, what what's this supposed to be? And he's trying to order it and if he doesn't have that information he's not going to get it in time and nowadays with your supply issues you got to have this all lined up months in advance
1: yeah and i think another big deal and i think what you're you're referring to without saying explicitly but i'm going to go ahead and say it is sometimes you just have to ask a lot of questions to make sure that they understand so that's a big part of the communication give and take is you ask a lot of questions to make sure that somebody understands what you're talking about versus just assuming, you know, that that they understand.
2: And here's another piece of advice. So you invariably get the person that wants to change their mind all the time. Right. Or they want to ask for some extras. And I think establishing the relationship of time and money and a change order. I mean, I can remember, you know, back in the day, when I was actually, you know, physically working on jobs and people would say, well, can you undercut this door because it's been squeaking on the floor forever? And it's like, you know, you want to be nice, so you're willing to do it. But it starts to to roll downhill because then they're going to ask for three more doors in the house. And you got to start getting your change order pad out and saying, yeah, that costs, you know, $50. I got to take it off the hooks. I got to put it on a sawhorse. I got to cut it. I got to check with you on, you know, maybe you're going to put a fluffy rug in there tomorrow and you're going to complain about how little I undercut it. You know, you just don't know.
1: And then you got to, and don't don't forget you have to paint the bottom of that door again to keep it (laughs) from swelling up in the humidity in the DC area. (laughs) Exactly. And once
2: you touch it, you own it. And if you haven't charged for it, you know, what, what's the, what's my favorite saying? No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, and, 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 that and, and that's just a small example, but that, that will mushroom. People will add light fixtures, do this, do that. And you've got to associate time with money and, yeah. a, and add to your and add to your project delivery times as well.
1: Right.
0: And I have, I have one other question after this, but is that, I mean, you're going through that change order process beforehand, you know, just making sure you're establishing how that will work right in that beginning process.
2: I mean, we, we, you know, there's obviously a paragraph in our contract about change orders, but I think a lot of people just, you know, they just ask and they're, they just need to be put in, you know, they need to, it's your process and they are always trying to jump, jump the tracks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you let them, They will. And it's, it's it's all about managing client expectations. If you let them go off the rails, they'll take you for a wild ride.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And that leads perfectly into my next question. I would have clients in the past that would ask a million questions. And then there was ones that would seem to understand all the way through to the end. And what that would lead to is starting to deviate from the process. Right. So how do you keep your carpenters, Kind of continuing to follow the steps, no matter if people say, yep, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. Yeah, put it there. You know, sometimes well, things that don't seem to be a big deal can mushroom.
2: Right. Well, and, and part of that is training. Obviously, if the, yeah. if the client says, I, I want another outlet, but also it's the fact that the designer goes onto the job and looks at the ceiling plan and says, hey, there's two more outlets here and I don't see any change orders. What happened? Yeah, you right. know, we can't have employees giving away our money, yeah. which, you know, can happen. Um, oh, why did this happen? Oh, well, it should have cost more. Okay. did Is there a change order? And then, so you have employees, checking employees, obviously, but also if they don't feel comfortable, they have to go back to design. So if somebody says, Hey, I want something that needs, needs some design. Well, maybe it needs to be thought about maybe it needs an elevation. Maybe there needs to be some dimensions, you know, things like that. So then we have to charge for design and, and the change order. And then sometimes what you need to do is you need to, so I tell a lot of people don't go down that road because it takes a lot of time. We need to bracket them with a number and then see if they're comfortable. If they're comfortable, then we can move forward. But we need to build in the design component to the to the change order component or the construction component.
1: Very cool. So Chris, we're gonna uh, be wrapping this up. This has been absolutely incredible. Any kind of golden nugget little thing that you can leave the listeners with that maybe will inspire them a little bit and, uh, and give them some courage to do some of the things that we're talking about? You know, I think that
2: the biggest one is if that you find a client that really doesn't want to live within your process and subvert it, um, you need to be willing to walk away. They're not the right person for you.
1: Yeah. So I guess the subtext of that would be have a process. have a process and know what your process is and
2: don't live with clients that want you to lose money (laughs) because when they ask you to subvert a process that's what they're asking you to do right they're they're asking for you to take all the risk and they get whatever savings they perceive
1: yeah i know i know a lot of contractors that's hard especially when they're in that million dollar range and they're you know, just grow in the company and they think they have to grab for every job they can possibly get a handle on. So how would you kind of encourage them to, you know, hang in there and follow that advice? Well, that's a whole nother conversation.
2: It's about marketing and deal flow. And if you've got enough people chambering at the bit to be on your dance card, then you can say no pretty easily because you you want to go with somebody who's life's too short. You want to work with nice people. You want to have great looking projects and you want to have fun and you want to make money and and feed your family. So that's, that's really what it's all about. And going down the, choosing the wrong client can poof man can make one year pretty miserable.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chris, thank you so much for being with us. And, and like I said, we've just started this conversation. So it'll be interesting as we have other guests on to see what their ideas are. But uh, you've got us started in a great way. And I really appreciate you taking some time.
0: Well, no, thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Bye. Tim, so this is, uh, you know, uh, another fantastic episode where I think, I, again, we could talk to Chris forever about this. And um, he just brings so much experience and knowledge. And I think hopefully people can just take what they're currently doing and take some, you know. Glean some, some knowledge, some of this experience and put it into their process, whatever it is, even if they don't have a process, I just <laughs> want to touch on one last thing that was very important. I was going to bring this up is, um, a lot of times just on the change order side, we want to be nice. We want to do certain things. And some people say that's a form of my marketing or, you know, right. I fix things or I do, I go extra cause that's our marketing. Well, that's that's not great marketing. I mean, that's not gonna. That may get you a, a person to get a uh, do another job with you, but you know, in terms of always having lead flow things like that, that's it's just important to note that giving away free things is not marketing.
1: No way. So I think I think a lot of the what I what I got from this was just really taking advantage of the 3D technology. Um, and I, I think he said Google goggles or something like that. Yep. And, and using that type of thing going, in other words, going beyond just the, the 3d image on the screen, but really helping them to see, uh, what they're getting. Um, you know, I, I think the, one of the big deals is just the, what are you not going to do or like, be sure they like, I, I think about the foundation and, You know, if it's going to be 20 by 20, I would want them. I, I want you to notice how much space is going to be left on your side yard over here, because this is going to limit something access or whatever, you know, just things like that, because people don't think about those things. And it is our job to help them understand exactly what they're getting. So I thought just a great introduction to the topic. And as I mentioned before, we're going to have at least one other person on in a few weeks uh, talking about this from a little different perspective. And I think if you put it all together, you'll come up with some great ideas.
0: Yeah. And instilling, uh, putting processes in your company, again, no matter how detailed or uh, advanced or parochial they are, you need having systems instills confidence in yourself, too run a great project and make a happy client definitely so we want to thank chris landis for joining us today and we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the tim fowler show
1: and remember at the tim fowler show we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary
0: this has been another episode of the tim fowler show want to hire tim and fast track your growth